Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Thursday, August 31st in the year 2023. The end of the month, actually. Finally. We made it through. Hot August. We didn't all get scorched, though too many people did, unfortunately. But um, it's been a crazy month. And pretty much on point with where these lunatic psychopaths want to take us every single time. And it just gets worse every single year. Which is nuts. But... Anyway, we all know it's global warming. Sorry. I don't want to I don't want to say anything against the science. It's all global warming. My goodness. I'll tell you. Eat tofu. You know, I came across a thing today. And it was unbelievable. It's called vegan water. Vegan water. Yeah. It's for real. I I'm I'm literally not kidding and let me see if I can find it. You have to hear this to believe this. Because I, I didn't believe it when I read it. I was like, no, this can't possibly. Oh, here it is. Okay. I'm going to play this for you. Give me just a second. Let me get it up here. It's it's on TikTok. So. This is how to make vegan water. By the way, does normal water have meat in it? Just cut up some tofu, put it in your freezer. These are my ice cubes. I need answers. Does normal ice cube have meat? Why is she not using that? pop them in my water so just do it to your liking Man, that just looks like pickled cheese and i like to top it off with a lemon wedge jesus christ when you go to bed pickled cheese with lemon is not vegan water i was a bartender at one point and i thought normal water was vegan at one point to save the fish i like to use a little metallic straw it's the turtles mom we don't care about the fish get it right if you want a little extra flavor too, I recommend marinating them in barbecue sauce first. Well, f in the eye. Barbecue flavored pickled cheese with lemon water is vegan water. I would rather play in traffic than drink vegan water then. <laughs> the problem is I wish this stuff was fake. I wish it was fake. The problem is it's not fake at all. It's all real. These people believe this stuff. Vegan water. I don't know, man. Same people that believe that when the wind blows and it gets warm, fires start magically, just like that. It's unbelievable. All right, patriots. Let me give you something to think about here real quick before we get going. Something important. And that would be tread light broad forks. They're awesome. And we all better start thinking about having tools that don't need power. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't know if you heard, but the gas prices are supposed to hit 10 maybe even $20 a gallon. So the more that we can do, the better without energy or without fuel except the human fuel. So if you head over to Tread Light, T-R-E-A-D, Light, L-I-T-E, Broad Forks, it's pretty neat. It's a pretty good place. Tread Light Broad Forks. B-R-O-A-D-F-O-R-K-S. They are fantastic tools for doing your garden. They're an incredible no-till tool that'll help get some of the finest tilth in your beds ever. You should check it out. I have one here, three up at three or four up at the property. They're fantastic. They're worth having, especially in this crazy time we're in. So anyway, check it out. Treadlight Broad Forks. It's a good time to get them. It's the end of summer. You're heading into the fall. You need to pre start prepping your beds for the winter or setting in for a fall garden, all those good things. And this is going to make your bed tilth just absolutely fantastic. And with that, you're prepared, even in case of the end of the world, no energy, $10, $20 a gallon fuel, whatever. So it's all crazy. But yeah, check it out. Treadlight Broadforks, the best tool I've found. I mean, they are, I've these are not new in design, the broad forks, but I've never found one made this well. All American made, fantastic quality product. Great family business too, which is good. All right, that link's always below the podcast. You'll find it. I'm going to play a few things for you tonight because we've got some stuff to consider. I want to start with Maui, Lahaina. And it's strange things are going on over there. This uh, wind screen they're putting up is preventing anybody from seeing what's going on. There's now apparently FBI and military on the ground. FEMA is obviously there doing what FEMA does best. And Oprah and La Rock, The Rock have now come out and started to ask for donations for a special charity, which 
they've set up just for the people of Maui. I'm sure that's going to go well. Not that they're going to, not that they would ever do anything bad. Here, take a listen to this. So if you send a donation. Yeah, okay. Did you know Oprah Winfrey has been securing Maui land like it's a trending bestseller? In just 2023, she invested in a vast 520-acre plot for $3.89 million, then went for another 330 acres at $2.47 million, not to mention the two 10-acre patches she bought in 2022 for $100,000 each. Amidst this real estate surge, a sudden fire happens, destroying homes nearby, but leaving her vast terrains unscathed. Does that ring a bell? Think back to 2017. A deadly fire consumed homes near her Montecito mansion, yet once again, Oprah's property emerged untouched this was a land grab Ooh, oprah donated 10 million dollars of her own money 10 million dollars that she's gonna write off she would have had to give it to the government anyway she ain't gonna miss it see but now she can write that 10 million dollars off and not only that she's gonna recoup that money through the little organization that she set up for your donations we have created the people's fund of maui you think she's not gonna get that money back this was 100 a land grab that's what this was doesn't matter if it was arson doesn't matter if it was due doesn't matter if it was Natural. Bad land management. It was a land grab. Joe Biden and his administration sending just enough money for those people in Lahaina to catch a bus up on out of there. Rumors about the real estate sharks that are walking around. The no media coverage. They don't want you to see what they're doing. Not to mention the kids. There's all these kids missing and nobody's talking about it. Where are these kids' parents? Why are they not talking about it? Are they really missing or are they not missing? Why doesn't Oprah and Dwayne The Rock Johnson get on the ground and go find these kids? Stop slabbing the knob for the elite. They are not who they present themselves to be. They never have been. And I'm sorry. And it sucks. These were people that you looked up to and that you grew up with. And I get it. But people only show you what they want you to see. And Oprah is an evil, evil person. She doesn't care about you. She doesn't care about me. And she sure as shit does not care about the people of Lahaina. You know what she cares about? Their land. Knock it off. I am really happy to start to see some of these intensities coming out in these videos. Now, I'm going to forewarn you, not tonight, but more and more it's getting, people are really expressing how they feel. And I, I've worked very hard on this channel to keep language as clean as possible. Once in a while I slip. But the fact of the matter is that the content that come, is coming out is getting increasingly heavy with some pretty hard language. I'll do what I can, but at the same time, there's a point of facing reality. America's pissed. People are pissed. And people don't know what to do. And they're turning more and more to social media to discuss their problems and to share where they're at. And, I, and it's, this is where social media takes on a new form of influence. Take a listen to this piece. Okay, so this is much different than other content that I post on this page, but I felt like I need to just come on here and vent for a minute. So I don't know how much longer middle-class Americans can continue on the path that we're on. My fiance and I combined make what I would think a good salary. Um, a salary that 10 years ago, I would have thought if I make this much money, I really made it in life. But I'm finding myself in a position now where we're making more money than we've ever made and we are literally the brokest we've ever been. I did the math yesterday with my paychecks and I literally have $2,000 less coming home per month due to taxes and other BS that comes out of my paycheck each month. Like where the heck is that money actually going? Because it's certainly not going to services that are helping struggling Americans. We literally cannot get a house. Where I live in New Jersey, if we want any chance of getting a house, we literally need to have at least $100,000 cash to put down. But honestly, that's not even enough. Because there are literally people coming in to New Jersey with half a million dollars plus cash buying up homes. Don't ask me where people are getting this money from. Apparently, I've heard that it's basically large corporations that are buying up all the houses and making it really, really hard for the middle class to have purchasing power. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we believe in the idea that over time, the goal is to get rid of the middle class so that there's only the rich and the poor. I'm honestly completely disgusted with the way things have gone in this country. And honestly, it's not even just this country. It is, seems to be worldwide. And I hate to say it, but it's largely because of the pandemic. I don't really know what the purpose of this was other than just to vent um, and just to let other people know that feel this way. Because I'm sure you guys are out there that you are not alone. Like this is a real struggle and I'm starting to feel extremely 
disillusioned and quite honestly hopeless. That's the key word right there. And it's an amazing statement because it gives us incredible opportunity of love and prayer. These testimonies really, really affect me in a deep way. And I want to put this in context to where many of my brethren sit as well. We went to war for this country. We went to war for the American public. And this government has become the most evil, wretched organization we could have ever imagined. It is difficult to express to people when you have fought in war the level of what you're willing to do to defend a country. And I try to allude to this many times and try to kind of give you a context that war is very visceral and very real. And for those that have walked it, you know what I'm talking about. But there is no greater love than a patriot can give than when they something like this is not only stealing what we fought for, but is damaging the innocent. You want to see the rage? It's coming. And I'm saying to this to you, too, because not making any judgment or any statement to people in Bar's Nation, but Christians have a wonderful way of judging others for actions. They love to sit on the sideline and impuse, and then they like to come forward and go, oh, um, you, you, should, you should get a little more Jesus. You should do a little more of this. You should watch how, how violent you are. You should watch your tongue. But they're also the first to jump in and say, yay, look at this. We're free again. As much as I hate to say it, unfortunately, Christians tend to be some of the most, as a body, and please don't take this personally, but I am going to be clear about it. As my experience in the Christian body, the ones that speak Christianese, the ones that are so consumed with the religious temple life, they're some of the most hypocritical people I've ever met. And it's no wonder that church pews decline while outside the church, the love of Jesus rises up. We are coming into an intense time. And there's going to be things that are done and have to be done to save this nation. It's not going to be done quickly. I had this conversation earlier this evening, just as a general conversation, we were sharing points of where things were with my parents. And just kind of looking as well as the extended family and how, how, to, how, how out of touch they are with the reality of what's crushing down. I think there's a, there is an imposing reality that most people have or a default that things couldn't quite be that bad. Things are that bad. And the answer to what we are doing rests with and begins with a home church and growing your own food. That's the fundamental shift that we have to start making because it's a shift in everything in the way we see and believe. But we still have so many Americans out here that literally they'll default to like, well, yeah, I, I don't know about that Jesus thing, but I, I'm okay with my faith. I can live with that, generally speaking, because I'm not going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to evangelize you to death. But I am going to say this. For what's coming, if you aren't rock solid in your faith, you're going to get... You're going to get rocked. And when you hear a story of someone like this, this is a hardworking American right here. We just heard. Not, no judgment made. But this is, a, this is someone where you hear something like that, you want to step in and say, hey, let's pray together. And I truly believe that a heart like that would say, yes, I'll take it. And that's where we have tremendous opportunity, but it's also where we start wielding the powerful sword of the Spirit. And we have to. I, I say this very, understand when I say proud, not proud as in pride, but just like just an amazing love I have for Bard's Nation. And I mean this truly from my heart. The people in this community are strong. The people in our community, all of you, you get your hands dirty. We sow seeds, literally. But I'm saying these things because I know what God's putting on my heart. I know what I see. You can take it for what I say. Don't take it. Throw it out. But I think... I think we're enough of a community now we can face this and say, yeah, we're going to come to a point where the burdens that are placed upon each of us is going to be greater than we ever asked. 
and that's okay. Because that's what Father would expect of us. That's what Jesus would expect of us. That we'll carry that cross, and we'll raise the people up, and we will pray for them. But equally, as I walk in this world, and we pray and we lift people up and we walk with the Holy Spirit and we, we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and we heal the sick and broken and we'll help them separate themselves and cast out the demons so that they can set themselves free and we'll give them those tools and we'll even pray to raise the dead and we will raise the dead and we'll do greater works. We also have to face a reality of what that story is in the garden. Peter carried the sword of steel Jesus wielded the sword of the Spirit. And those two things, unfortunately, in this world are going to have to be real and increasingly real as we move forward. I don't tell you how or when or if you will even have to use it, but I will tell you, you need to understand what type of threat is coming at us. And this type of evil that will burn people out of Lahaina and sit there and then turn around and get on a camera and tell them we have a nonprofit set up to, for you, which is a flippin' lie. That nonprofit is going to give 85% to Oprah in her coffers so she can recover her $10 million donation, and they're going to give 15% or less to the people. That's the way it works. These are the people, they are sitting there looking at the carnage, and they don't care. It's hard to describe that level of evil. In fact, I, I don't know even that we can describe that level of evil because it's not part of who we are. I want to read you something. This is David Nino Rodriguez who wrote this today, and I, 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 he's so on point on this. If you can't understand the mindset of an elite globalist who would try to decimate the population and want full control of the very few leftover, it's because you're approaching this with a normal mindset. Remove your empathy and try to think like a satanic, pedophilic psychopath that secretly uses your morals, ethics, and good traits against you. That's who we're dealing with. This is pure evil. And I will say that Sure, you know, I've said this before. We'll pray for our enemies. But there has to be a line that we understand that we cannot cross with these enemies. And God would not want us to. These are the same people that are after your children. That's what they want at the end of the day. They want your children. They want us. I'm going to play just the beginning of this piece. This is from Cappy when he was still alive. Take a listen. You don't trust Oprah? Oprah's a fucking slave trader, guys. You shouldn't trust Oprah. Oprah is a slave trader. Oprah is a slave trader. Let that sink in. It's 100% true. Oprah Winfrey is a slave trader. Why do you think she has that school in South Africa? How's that? See, these people see the world the way it really is, is not divided cleanly in nation states. In fact, nation states are used now as containment zones. The elites fly around and set up their schools and their places so that they can traffic children, and they trade them. This is the commodity of the world. And it is so hard to pull people out of this darkness into this, this coma they're in to understand that the most important aspect that we are in charge of is the children. And they have completely pulled the rug out on all of it and given us the illusion that this is now normal. And the worst part about it is the number of people that see it as normal. Abortion has become a normalized activity. And somewhere after the Supreme Court struck it down, where was the outrage at the state level to say no more abortion? We just, people just went mum. Abortion has become normalized. Fetal parts and fetal tissues are used in flavorings of food, are used in colors for food. Fetal cells are used in all sorts of medical issues. Fetal cells are put into every injection that was put into the body. We're recycling God's children in pieces and parts, putting it in ourselves through our mouths and through our, our arms through needles. If you drink soda, you're taking in some form of a fetal byproduct in flavoring or color. 
Just about every bit of processed food has that in it. We have been turned into cannibals of God's children. I don't care if it's a if it's a microgram. This is what they have done, and they've done it intentionally to mock God and to mock us, knowing that we're too blocked in our areas of convenience and fun to ask the right questions of what really is going on. And they celebrate it. They celebrate it. We've become dependent on their food, and they taint our food with the things they need to cause us sicknesses and cancers and Don't forget that little piece of let's feed them back part of the creation that God gave them to steward. I'm not kidding about this. And we we get addicted. We we go out there and it's they build these flavor profiles on things so that the flavor profiles stimulate things in the brain so that you can't resist but to eat another and eat another and eat another. And in the meantime, if you really dig into where most of those things come from, or at least many, many of them are derived from byproducts of an aborted fetus. It's incredible. And as a society, we're just cruising along here going, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Where does it begin? It begins in your backyard growing your own food. It begins by going local to the farmer to say, I can't buy the commercial food anymore. And I can hear already the challenges this is going to bring because people are going to say, well, I can't afford things now. We have to change. Yes, things cost money. I don't have exactly those answers. I know that we're, but we have to change. We have to change the way we approach. That was the whole basis for the last three years of pushing county by county was the concept, the principle of, of us shifting from the old way in towards a new kingdom way. And it's not easy. By any means, it's not easy. But if we don't, where do we sit within our relationship with God? And here's the one thing I haven't even mentioned. It is the capstone to everything. Where is our faith in God that he shall provide? Where is it? We get wrapped around the thing. It's like, I can't afford that. I can't do that. We become a can't culture, not an I can. I can't make my mortgage. I'm hopeless. I can't do this. I can't do that. Where is, where is the spine in the people anymore when it comes to taxes to say, I'm not paying it anymore? Where is the spine to say, we're not playing your game anymore? We're serving our Lord. That's it. No more. The rest of you, go pound sand. This is a really good piece here by Tucker Carlson. I want you to hear this. That's what they're challenging right now. Is your freedom to believe what you want to believe and to worship your God in your way, not hurting anyone else, not pushing anyone else to do what you do, doing it alone. They want to change that. Think of it this way. Is there anyone here in this room right now who is worried as you sit and angry right this second about what people in Brooklyn believe in their hearts? Is this a major concern for you at this moment sitting in church? That somewhere in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, someone might disagree with you. Probably not that concerned at this moment. Fair to say? Right. I can promise you at this very moment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, someone is very angry that you don't agree. That you're not with the program. This is an evangelical faith that we are facing. Literally evangelical. Seeks to evangelize and convert by force. And so the battle is not over some issue. The battle is over the freedom to believe what you choose to believe. And I just want you to know, since I'm right face to face with it every single day, there are people who want to make you not just do different things, but think different things. I don't think we've seen that ever. The second difference and the one that comes to me all the time and that I brood over and makes me sad is that if you have a faith that is not based on something larger than you, then that faith is limited by human power. What does that mean? Well, it means, among many other things, that there is no forgiveness in that faith. And you are seeing it on display now. God has given us the power of smell, of intuition. If you're in the presence of somebody, even for a short period, you know who that person is, his strengths and his weaknesses, his silly little pretenses, 
the envy he tries to keep inside, it's, it's right out there for you. You know instantly who the, oh, he's insecure. Oh, he's got a drinking problem. Like, you know. And by the way, we're trained to ignore those intuitions. My father always, my father's kind of a brilliant guy. He always used to say, never lose touch with your inner dog. By which he meant dogs now. You don't like dogs? <laughs> no hiding it from him. Oh, it's nice to see you. You know, dog snarls at you. Dogs instantly know how you feel. Because there's no higher consciousness to convince them otherwise. Oh, bad person. Whoa. They know. And we know too. And so all the time that you spend trying to convince everybody else that you're someone else is wasted time. It's a Halloween. Wasted time to try to convince people you're something else than you are because God knows who you are. That's the whole issue here. God knows exactly who you are. And if we're going to be living a lie out here, we're living a lie to our Father. And that lie isn't just the fact that we're trying to be something else. Part of that lie is not walking that path as Jesus would want us to walk. Now, those are easy words to say. And they're bold words to say as if we know exactly how Jesus would walk. But I can tell you this, as we lean into him, he will guide us as we must. But I think the things that we need to ask are pretty simple because we don't, I don't think we work through these exercises enough. You know, if Jesus was in this time, would he just be out here like hanging out going, yeah, no big deal, man. Children are getting raped and children are getting trafficked. And yeah, once in a while, those people over at the temple, they pull a kid in there and they chop him up, drain his blood, stress him out, get some shots from that because they call it adrenochrome. Yeah, even, I hear even in some of them even put them into forests naked and they chase them down with hunting dogs, scare them. And once in a while, they even do things like strap them up and cut off their balls and strap the balls on the mantle of their, of their fireplace as a kill. I'm not making this up. So the question I really have is, at what point do we start to realize that we have a mission, a duty, to start understanding that this is a war and a war that they've been waging against us and against the children. When are we going to start waking up that we are the front line of protection for the children and stop looking up to heaven and saying, God, when are you going to come down and help us? When he's like, I'm standing with you. I gave you the authorities. What else do you want? And that's where we have to start looking at ourselves and saying, are we truly living into that walk in Christ? It's super easy when you sit in a pew and you like to say, well, the only thing that's good is to spread the gospel of Jesus, and that sure does brief, brief well. It sounds like a doozy. But our faith takes action, and getting on the ground and getting into the muck and reaching the people and getting on the streets and reaching out to them and doing those acts of true kindness, that takes courage, and it takes a fearless walk. And it's... This world is going to need a whole lot of it. Forbes wrote in today that they wrote today or yesterday in the article that gas is going to hit or oil is going to hit $300 a barrel. Now, is that true? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is we're seeing the trends. Gas was super high today, natural gas in the market, the highest it's been in years. And is it possible that we can see $300 a barrel for oil? Absolutely. Why do we say that? Because the dollar is declining. The BRICS nations now include Saudi Arabia and Oman and Iran and, I believe, Argentina. So we're seeing the oil-producing companies countries coming together under the BRICS nation banner. And as they do that, that's going to mean that the translation for $1 to a BRICS coin is something like $55 to one. And we're shutting down domestic production of oil. Because apparently it's more important for the green revolution to get lithium, cobalt, and coltan from the Democratic Republic of Congo, where that is all mined by children and young children that are slaves 
to the mines, and that makes the green people feel that they're somehow saving the planet. This is our world. And if you don't think the world sees that in us, you're wrong. We just aren't willing to look at ourselves. And yet we're here. And we're going to be the ones now that are going to have to step out into this and bring the truth and heal them and bring the gospel. But it has to be a gospel, in my opinion, that has anchor in the real relationship of Jesus. When you say, like, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can almost see people on the outside just roll their eyes going, oh, here we go again. Another door-knocking evangelist that's going to come and ask me to join the church and give another 20 bucks into the offering plate. That's not going to work. It may work for some, but it's not going to work overall. Mega churches are going to implode, and as people start to understand that mega churches are a front for money laundering and for trafficking kids for the most part, they'll start to understand a little bit more. And there's going to be a ton of disillusioned people. Wait till people discover about Israel, that Israel isn't all what it's made up to be, that it was actually a Rothschild's front to control the Middle East. Yeah, that's going to go over well. And so many people are going to fall from their faith and fall from the things because their faith was never deep in the relationship with Christ. It was shallow. It was built on a, on a foundation of sand, not on the rock of Christ, not on the rock of our Father, not on the rock of heaven. And that's falling on us again. It's a big weight we carry. But the best part is that God knew we could because we have to get out here and be prepared to get out here to get into the people. What's a greater way, do you think, to show the love of Jesus, to walk up and preach to somebody about them going to hell if they don't accept Christ to get baptized and memorize a couple verses, or going in and telling somebody, hey, neighbor, I just want you to know I'm here for you if things get bad. We're happy to help you out if things get tight, and I love you. I'll take the second one any day. How many times have you picked up the phone recently and just called up somebody and say, how are you doing? Are you doing okay financially? Even if you don't have a lot, where's our trust line? And when we look at the bank account and we say, oh my goodness, I only have $500 in my bank account and, my, and I, I can't possibly suggest that I could offer any of that to anybody else. Man, I'll tell you, that's when you need to step up and go, hey friend, you know somebody that needs something, can I, can I buy some groceries for you? And maybe you'll only spend 50 out of your 500. But don't you think that that's where God wants us to be? See, we've got to change the paradigm. And we have to start trusting in Father more because he's always told us, I will provide. I will provide. I will provide. And that's where we start to walk in that deeper place of Christ and we start to separate ourselves from this world and we're not of this world and we start to walk into a greater place in life where we are truly looking out for our neighbors. I've told you this story before, and it's a great story. I mean, it's a great perspective, right? It's a friend of mine. He was a sound engineer. This goes back to 2012. Lost touch with him since. Good man. Bought equipment from his the company he worked for when I went to Afghanistan. Never had to do this, but he put himself on call. Anytime I called him from Afghanistan with a technical question, he'd answer the phone day or night. It wasn't part of the service. He just did it because he was that type of person. So he says to me one day, we're sitting in my office in Portland when I had my office in Portland. And he says, Scott, I don't, I don't know how to shoot well. I don't, man, I kind of suck at it, as a matter of fact. He said, I don't know how to shoot well, and I'm, I don't even have that many guns. I know how to fish, and I'm not really a good hunter either. But he said, one thing I am is I'm a good cook. He says, so I built the best kitchen in the neighborhood, and I stocked myself up with food. And I've told my neighbors, this is where you can come in time of crisis, and there'll be food for you. And he said, this is what I know. They will protect me. Man, he got that one right. He got that one right. That's a principle of what we're talking about here, and it's so important right now that we are not retracting but reaching. We're not stepping back, but we're leaning in. We have to start looking forward and being prepared. And when we talk about preparation, it shouldn't be just for ourselves, but how are we going to work on the community? If your freezers are stocked just for yourself, we've kind of missed the point. 
Because what's going to be the difference is when things get tighter, things start to fall. And don't worry, that's happening already. There are already people that can't put food on the table or have to make a choice between gas and, and groceries. Or their children are having to rely now on the food that the school system's giving and they aren't feeding the kids and kids are going hungry. We are already here in this third world place. They just don't want you to look. The New Bards Nation School run by Marjorie. She's built it. It's fantastic. She's making a point of once a month of just bringing kids in from the community to cook them a meal, something from the garden and fresh and natural food. And the kids are just loving it. They haven't had some of it. Some of the kids are in need. Some of them just haven't experienced it. See, that when we're talking about changing the world, we have to change the way we approach the world. I can, I can be part of any sort of team that goes out, and there's guys that are far better at this than I am, and we can find them, and we can slay them, and we can bury them and feed them to the pigs or throw some lime on them and call it a day. But it's not going to change the foundation of who we are as a nation. Because the change for us to take back this nation has to be set in the foundations and the rock of morality and the love of God. And with that is the primary tenet in which Jesus has told us, which is love thy neighbor. Take a listen to this. Read the people is how the Constitution starts. A magistrate is a person that operates under authority. They have power. They are higher magistrates and they are lesser magistrates. The founding fathers of this country understood that there's going to come a point in time where the federal government will need to be checked. If not, they will become tyrants. And that is what's happening now. So, the Declaration of Independence says that everyone, by virtue of being a human being, has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The federal government, too, the federal government, their purpose is to protect the rights of those citizens, the rights of us to our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. The third point of that document is if they fail to protect its citizens and enforce those rights, the citizens have a right to revolt. Essentially, the entire system is geared right now towards rape. Rape your finances, rape your morals, rape your ethics, rape your family, rape your children of their future. And I guess it comes down to a fundamental thing. Can you discern between loving thy neighbor and destroying the enemy? 
Because there's a lot of people that can't answer that question because they get that confused and they try to say things like, yeah, but Jesus told us to love. He sure did. He also flipped tables and pulled out a whip. So we're at that point right now. And it's a point that I have never had a conflict with. But I think there are people still that struggle with it. And whatever your struggle is, if you have it, I need you to dig into that and ask if that's a fear that you're afraid of having to step in to that next level or if it's truly a moral conflict that you think you have. But whatever it is, you need to take it to Father. Because I don't know your relationship with God. I don't know where God's going to lead you on this. And maybe it won't be where I think, and that's not for me to worry about because that's between you and him. But I know this. These people, if they get the choice, are coming for you and the family of the inside the house. They're not going to stop. I know this, that they want to break these communities. They are trying to annihilate the middle class. They are trying to make people to a point where our neighbors and those single moms and those people that are struggling that are just barely making it right now, they jack that cost of gas up to $10, and these people are going to be suffering from the thing called hunger and possibly homelessness. Some people won't even be able to afford to go to work. And what these people are counting on, those in power, are that we will remain separated and we will not see the true enemy. In fact, we will look at one another and we will judge one another and say, oh, that person should have done better. Oh, that's another one of those homeless people. Do you not think that desensitizing this public with all the thousands of homeless that are on our streets was by purpose and intent? Of course it was. Because they're counting on the new wave of homelessness, which will be the destruction of the middle class. So that as they go to the homeless, we do exactly what we've always done. Turn the blind eye, tell ourselves it's not the problem, and do nothing to help each other. There is evil in this world. There is evil. And you... Better get clear that there is evil and there's no negotiating with that evil. And you better be clear that when you're dealing with this evil, it needs a one-way ticket out of here because we do not have the ability to negotiate with it, nor do we have the ability to coexist with it because it wants only one thing, to use you as a lab rat, an experiment tank, and to kill you and take your children away from you. That's its objective. It enjoys the pain that we suffer. It enjoys everything about causing people to have a miserable life and a miserable death. And that's not something you can coexist with. It's pure evil. But there are a lot of people out here that just need Jesus. And so we need to understand that walk and be clear with our discernment of where evil sits and where the help from Jesus is. Because at this point in time, the evil is around us. And it's counting on the fact that we are too weak, too afraid, too timid to stand up to it and do what's right. Things are going to get pretty intense. And when you look around at these children and you realize that in the end of the day, what they want the most is to go after these kids, to scar them, to damage them, to traumatize them in any way they can, And by the way, any parent that's putting their child in public school, you are participating in their program to do just that. Any child that goes to university, you have cast your child into the pits of hell and the hands of the demons themselves to be reprogrammed. If your child goes goes into university and doesn't come out being liberal-minded and gay, lesbian, or bisexual, it will be an absolute miracle, and you better praise God. But we're not doing our job in that sense. We're not protecting the children because at the core of everything that we are talking about here, this evil wants primarily one thing. They want access to the children because the children are the seed of creation. And they want access to children because the children are the, are the carriers of innocence of the world, the joy that God gives us. 
and they want access to the children because if they can traumatize them in any way, they know they have planted their own seeds for a prosperous future of evil. Now, if you're one that believes you can pray into that enemy and bring them to heaven, good luck. Because I'm going to be honest with you. That enemy that wants these children, I have no room for. And I'll stand before God and say, sorry, Lord, couldn't do it. I gave him a millstone. Jesus said, it was all right, so I cast him into the sea, and I'm good with it, and I'll do it again. But for that single mom or that couple that seems helpless and helpless, man, I'll pray for them, do what I can for them. Because they deserve that hope in this world. And most of all, these children of our light, of our world, the children on the streets, the children in, in homeless shelters, the 87,000 children that have disappeared off the border. Man, I, I, these numbers are just staggering. And the country's mum. The handful of people that are involved in trying to do something about it is small. That's where we have Operation Vineyard. And there's lots of things happening on that that you will talk more about at Bards Fest. But Patriots, it's, it's really a, an important time that we have to start stepping into our duty as a nation. And we've got to carry a pretty heavy load because this nation can't be one of vengeance, but it has to be one of righteousness. This nation can't be an apathetic, love-at-any-cost gospel because that's, that's just a weakness to walk away from the true sense of who Christ was. And I'll stand to anybody that tries to tell me otherwise. The ultimate love that Christ showed us was the willingness to sacrifice his life for us, and therefore we must be willing to sacrifice our life for what he considered to be the most precious. And what is that? The children. Let's pray. Father, very humbled tonight, and thank you for this time that we have together. And just ask for your blessings this evening as we work through yet some difficult reflections on the state of this union and the state of our nation and sadly, in many ways, the state of the world. A world that we are so overwhelmed with things and, and issues that we're missing again and again the primary issues that are so important to us all. A world that we want to find the easy way. We don't want to get in and get our hands dirty. It's easier to pray than it is to sow the seeds in the earth. And while it's important to pray, we seem to be in a cycle where stepping in too often to literally get our hands dirty is left for somebody else because it's not easy. It's not fun. It doesn't have a potluck after the sermon. Father, right now, we need a lot of discernment. And I'm placing this before your feet tonight at the throne. And I'm saying, Father, we need discernment. Because what stands ahead of us is going to be intense. We're not doing enough for the children. We're not doing enough to preserve the children in this nation, and for that matter, any of the nations that listen to this show. And we all need to be better and do better for that. Seeing which way to go and how to step can be very difficult. And there is a balance that we're trying to walk to keep the rage from, from overflowing or the pain to consume us and yet to walk with that righteous flame to know how we will walk, how we will engage and to lift up these little ones to give them hope, to inspire them and to come together as a community to rally around them. And at the core of so much of this is the lack of appreciation, understanding or even belief that the problem is as bad as it is. Lord, we would love a great shaking that would strip away the veil of all this falseness and rip, the, rip asunder 
every bit of this matrix of lies that keeps people locked into a walk of a zombie so that they can somehow justify a life of foolishness and ignore the most principal issues and commission we have on this earth, which is that of nurturing and protecting the children. And it's somewhere along the way that would also be great if the world would finally realize who you were. And while I realize truly, and I think we all do, that in a fallen world, it's difficult for people to put their eyes back on you. But nonetheless, it's in our prayers. But Father, for our walk here now, we're praying for discernment, to understand where you need us to step, to understand what actions to take to fulfill the commission of protecting the little ones. Discernment to be able to navigate through this maze of of evil, to understand where the heart of the evil is, to cut it out and to stop the evil in its tracks. To understand how to flank the evil, to keep it off balance and ultimately lead it to its doom. And to be able to discern between that which is pure evil and that which truly can be saved. And ultimately, to use that foundation to raise up the mightiness of the warriors in Christ in a critical hour and need in this nation and this world. So, Father, we lift our hands in prayer. Thank you for all that you give. Humbled ourselves before you. Truly honored to be here in this space, in this time, in this place. And as we kneel before you, we simply ask, Father, bless us. Forgive us. Strengthen us and point us in the direction we must go. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Very, very important time. Keep your prayers up for the children. Nothing is missed. We have a lot of work to do here. And these people that are out here are on the hunt because they feed on the children in so many ways. It's what gives them power. These people aren't who they seem to be. They aren't. They are inside. They're a darkness and an evil that it's hard to comprehend. But the one thing that they fear the most is the mightiness of love of kingdom because it's the sword that comes before them that crushes them because love is not containable. But love is not always easy, and love can be harsh. And love for the protection of the children may require that evil be removed. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us, he'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow. For Actually, Duncan is tomorrow for Ben Denis, and I'll see you tomorrow night for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. We shall pay any price bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. 
and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 